passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Impact Wrestling Rebellion post show. I'm John Pollock, and if it's Impact Wrestling, that means that the Nate signal goes out and the man is so gracious to join me four times a year, maybe five. It is Nate Milton. You know, John, this is the review of our lives. You know, the world keeps telling people that they should move on from Impact Wrestling. Some people do, but not us. Only Nate Milton can start the show <laughs> with that level of drama that just gets me ready to go while everyone else is concerned about uh, Endgame and uh, apparently something huge happened on Game of Thrones tonight. Nate, you were uh, a true soldier joining me to watch this Impact pay-per-view as we are going to discuss. Are you a big Game of Thrones viewer? I've never watched a single second of Game of Thrones. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. You know, I'm not really into the fantasy uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and all that never been my cup of tea, but I don't uh, begrudge anybody for liking that. You know, obviously I'm a, I am a wrestling fan as well as a comic book, you know, TV show and movie kind of uh fanatic. So that's between that and sports, like that's the level of stuff I can have in my life that consumes me. I, I can't add any more on top of my plate. Well, you and I then uh, were not, uh, there was no fear of missing out tonight for for you and I. I, do, I don't follow the show either, but I, I can understand it being a big, big deal to a lot of people out there. Uh, you and I, I mean, we are we are very much uh, true podcasters, and I'm not going to get your thoughts on Endgame. I'm going to do the uh, the courtesy because I know you have done a Patreon exclusive, uh, just as I'm sure I will be doing after this. So, I mean, we really got to spread out <laughs> our thoughts among our podcast. But uh, for all the people that are tuning in that want to hear Nate, because not so much me, but they want to hear Nate's thoughts on Endgame, uh, let's start off right off the top. Where can they go uh, listen to yourself, Marcus, uh, on Patreon and get yes. your, your Endgame and thoughts? Yes, you can uh, check me out on uh, the Kings of Sport Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. And uh, in, a, in a move that is either going to be brilliant, John, in terms of bringing new people to our Patreon, or it could be uh, our version of when WCW used to have the, the Road Wild shows and just let everybody in for free. Uh, I have decided to uh, make the uh, Avengers in-game review uh, that I did last night. That is available free to anybody from our Patreon page. So you Ooh. can kind of check it out. And if you like what you see there, like that's just a little taste of what Marcus and I do with the Patreon. So if you like that, you know, consider, you know, throwing, throwing some dollars our way and, and get even more content from the Kings. Well, as a patron of the Kings of Sport, I highly recommend Nate and Marcus, uh, two of the best voices out there. Uh, I even got a surprise review uh, a couple of weeks ago when 
Marcus gave a a impromptu review of me and Way's own show yes. that we did in New York. So I never know what I'm going to be listening to. Maybe it'll be a review of myself. So uh, definitely well, go we're, check we're, out. We're long-term booking, John, because uh, obviously, you know, uh, most of the li- well, all of the listeners of the Kings of Sport know, and maybe some of the postmarks out there uh, know that Marcus and his wife are expecting. So I'm waiting for you uh, to, to come on the show and give Marcus some some sage parenting advice. Well, you know what? This will segue nicely because you know what? Uh, turned out to be a tremendous uh, gift that you provided me this weekend, Nate. I was uh, on Saturday. I, I took my son to my parents' house, and in the middle of it, uh, it's his nap time. So when I'm not home and he can't go down for his nap, he will not sleep at my parents' house. So I have to put him into the car and just go for a 90-minute, two-hour drive, mm. and hopefully he will fall asleep. <laughs> 90 minutes, he was not falling asleep. And he's just like talking away in the in the car seat. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I go back to my parents' house. I stuck around for like another hour. And I said, okay, we, we got to head home. He's probably exhausted by now. So as I got into the car for the ride home, I decided to throw on my favorite Saturday morning podcast release. That was the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Mm. And the tones of Nate Milton and Brent Chittenden Put Max to sleep in no time, and believe me, Ma- believe me, do not take that as an insult because I think it was when he is relaxed that is when he goes to sleep. And I very much enjoyed this review of Be Cool. But as we were about thirty minutes into the drive, uh, we got to the theme for Class of Three Thousand. This mm. awoke Max, and he was just crying. The song ended. He was back to sleep within minutes. He just wanted to hear. Nate and Brent. That was it. <laughs> None of this production stuff. Get that out of here. What no, I, the I, class of 3000, he did not agree with, though I thought it was a pretty uh, – I had never actually heard um, of that series that Andre 3000 did, but I thought the tune was pretty catchy. It was, it was a very short-lived show, and like I said on the uh, – Rocky Mavia Picture Show, the actual plot of the cartoons weren't that great. The animation was okay, but the music was the the calling card of that series. So, but uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, my show could could be of some assistance, some use to you and your family, John. And much like the WWE, I don't care if you're awake or asleep when you listen to any of my podcasts because that's a uh, time spent listening, and I, I think that counts. <laughs> hours consumed that is that is yes. how nate uh gets through in the uh, the podcast world uh it's a great review by the way i'm not going to spoil it for anybody if you want to listen to it it's up on uh on the post wrestling site and two divergent views of a very polarizing film it turns out <laughs> in be cool a movie that i have not watched since it came out in theaters in march of 2005 but uh there is a lot that you guys uh break down in this uh movie i i thought it was a really great review nate Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And and I hope the listeners enjoy it because, uh, spoiler alert, I believe the next review will be a lot less joyful for me. <laughs> I'm already dreading uh, watching Doom, uh, but I know I have to do it in order to get to some of the better uh, rock movies down the line. Well, there you go. It's a, a monthly drop from Nate at uh, postwrestling.com. And yes, Doom will be consuming the month of May. Uh, but now we can move over to Impact Wrestling, which is our uh, big subject of the evening. So last we talked, uh, Nate, at least uh, on a podcast, was right after Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it was more so uh, 
it was uh, home leaving because they were leaving their previous home of uh, God. What network were they airing on in in the U.S.? Uh, uh, they were on uh, Pop. Pop TV. They were on Pop, and now they have moved to tw- uh, Twitch and the Pursuit Network, and they're also airing still on Fight Network in Canada, and they still have their their international uh, television outlets. But what is your consumption of Impact these days, week to week? Are you keeping up with the television product, or is it kind of you catch it when you can, or are you going even pay per view to pay per view? Well, first of all, John, when you when you making that Conda dot com bread, uh, like Impact was off of Homecoming, you know who needs Pop TV? Uh, when, when What's you happened scr- to Comda? I thought that was a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it was a fling. You know, sometimes uh, you know you go out to Vegas and then you have fun with somebody and you get married and then a month later you realize that. This was a this was a bad decision. They tuned in uh, and saw Don man. Callis awkwardly wearing that hat on top of his headset, <laughs> and and hearing Josh say Comda dot com every five minutes. Like, all right, this is too much. <laughs> oh, but I I don't get uh, pursuit in, in my area, so my consumption of impact is sporadic at best. I think it's a combination of the channel switch, but also the time switch. Yes, Friday uh, nights going yeah going an hour later on a Friday night. Uh, I catch it when I can on Twitch. And to be quite fair and quite frank, uh, John, the Twitch show is not a bad show. You know, they've got like the little uh, where there would be a commercial break on broadcast TV. They've got like the studio host like this past week for the go home show. It was uh Callis and Scott Demore oh, really? uh, talking in between the matches. And, and it was, like, I like that. And I think it's a cool way to use uh, Twitch, but it's not going to grab anybody but the hardest of the hardcore fans who can't get the Pursuit channel and still want to watch Impact. Nate, so- I had no idea they were doing this, and it's it's like my job to follow all this stuff. So it's <laughs> I had no idea uh, Callis and Scott Demore were doing interstitials on, on Twitch. I watched Twitch the very first week, and I did like it because uh, instead of having Callis and Demore in between, they just aired like classic clips from their library. Yeah. And I thought it was a very enjoyable two hours. But Friday nights at 10 to watch it live on Twitch is just not happening for me. So I have to go back on the weekend and I cannot for the life of me figure out how to watch it back on Twitch. So I've just got well, to uh, track down impact however I can. I, I pretty much just kind of watch it. Now in YouTube bites, like I made a point to watch uh, the go home show on Friday because I knew we were going to be talking about this pay-per-view, but I can't honestly say other than this past Friday that I've sat down and watched an entire episode of Impact in months. You know, I I just kind of follow it through their Twitter page and and, uh, follow it through their YouTube page. Uh, But who knows, John, maybe now that Impact Plus is on the horizon, I'll have a new a new way to consume this stuff. Yes. Uh, for, for those that were watching the pay-per-view and thinking, have they added something else on top of things that I need to buy? What they have done is they have rebranded the global wrestling network that is now Impact Plus. I guess they have realized um, after ESPN that all the money is in the plus sign. <laughs> and Impact Plus is now their new uh, streaming service that is uh, being offered. Interesting. So do you think now, is, is Impact actually available on Impact Plus? That's going to be a good question. Like, why why wouldn't you put it on there? Why wouldn't you make your product, which is seen by a very limited number of eyeballs, why wouldn't you make it easier for them to access that? And, and I'm wondering, John, in your opinion, do you think that this is something that will gain more traction just because it's got a new coat of paint? Or 
will it kind of suffer the same fate as uh, GWN, which is something that I had interest in when they first brought it out. But honestly, after a month or two, I stopped subscribing. I, I think that they have a, a real issue in that they are trying to push this streaming service at the same time they're pushing their live content on Twitch. And mm-hmm. to me, it's I, I think it just turns people off of both. Like they're not going to be significant. Remember the bet that Josh Matthews did uh, on January where he said, let's get to 10,000 subscribers on Twitch. And that was never revisited. So I'm going to assume they never hit 10,000 uh, subscribers on Twitch. But that to me, like it is a tiny fraction of the wrestling audience that I think is going to be signing up for an impact streaming service just for their library. It's got to be new content. It's got to be mm. live content. And I think that there's a lot of good stuff that Impact has. Like in this ad that they aired tonight, uh, it looks like it's going to feature a lot of Fight Network content, which, you know, if you've seen their retrospective series, which is their sit-down, one-on-one interviews, it's some very, very good content that they have. So uh, I don't doubt that there's good stuff on there, but like I, I cannot tell you all the stuff that is on there. I think it's very hard for a consumer just to figure out what is it that I'm signing up for. Um and I, I just think pushing both makes it very difficult that, you know, you – I think it should all be consolidated and making mm. it as easy as possible for people to jump on board either one of them. And, and the other thing is when I uh, was a subscriber uh, to GWN, it worked for me because I was a fan that, you know, I, I want to go back and watch that three-way from Unbreakable. I know exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Or I want to watch Sting's debut in TNA. I know exactly where to go for that. Yeah. But if you're trying to draw in what little amount of casual fans you can, it's daunting because it's not like the WWE where you you know people who might not even be the hardcore fans, they know about WrestleMania or they know, hey, I want to watch something that has Undertaker in it or I want to watch something that has Terry Belay in it for whatever reason. They know how to search and, and find that on the network, whereas unless you've been somebody that's watched this company over the years and stuck with this company – I don't see this attracting new eyeballs unless you do add some different content and, you know, maybe partner with some other promotions that can get you some traction. Yes, I'm looking at it now. It's still their website is globalwrestlingnetwork.com. So they haven't rebranded the site yet. You can get a 30 day free trial uh, to sign up for this. And it does look like um, all the recent episodes of Impact are there. They've got up until April 19th, so they don't have this past Fridays, but it, it seems that Impact is uh, made available probably like a week later uh, once it's aired everywhere. So, um, you know, the promotion is uh, basically comes down to on Impact, they do air the, the GWN match of the week, which I guess will now become the, the Impact Plus. It's literally Impact Plus because you get Impact <laughs> Plus this match every week. So, I mean, I don't doubt that they have a ton of stuff up here, but I, I don't know how well they've, they've promoted all the stuff you can find other than that match of the week. And mm. I, I think they need a whole refresher because I think if you're assuming your fan base knows all this stuff, uh, I think that's, that's assuming too much. I agree, and honestly for me, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take money out of anybody's pocket, John Pollock. I don't want to dissuade people from purchasing Impact Plus uh, when it when it launches, but as a fan of this promotion, I think the service or the uh, dis- distribution uh, network that works best for me to watch Impact is Pluto TV. 
to be quite honest, because I'll just turn it on some days when, you know, when I'm cleaning or doing the dishes or working on something. Uh, I'll just click on Pluto TV and I don't have any control over what they show, but it's always something like, oh, well, okay, that's, that's a Bully Ray match from 2009. Okay, I'll watch this for a while. So explain Pluto TV to me, because I, is this, is this a, like a, a free streaming site or like yeah, Pluto what, what is TV, Pluto it's, TV? Uh, I, I, I know they have a deal with them. I just don't know what it is. It's like internet TV and I, I'm probably kind of mangling the description, but it's internet TV and they've got like, I want to say a couple hundred channels on okay. there. And each channel is for a specific thing. Like they've got a couple news networks. They've got a comedy channel. They've got, uh, a channel devoted specifically to mystery science theater, which is kind of my other go-to Okay, uh, on Pluto TV. And they'll just air blocks of this stuff. And so, you know, they'll show like a pay-per-view from 2005 and then they'll show an, it, it's, it's no rhyme or reason to what they air, but it'll be like a pay-per-view from 2005 followed up by an episode of impact from the asylum days, followed by an episode of impact from last week. And so it's just kind of this hodgepodge of shows of content uh, that they have on these different blocks and you know you can get it on any smart tv or on your uh on a desktop uh format but i find it very interesting because it feels like this was something that was going to be revolutionary but now no like nobody i know knows what pluto tv is or you know if they've heard of it they don't know what uh programs they offer but i just kind of find it like this cool little thing that i'll just turn on and yeah, I like Mystery Science Theater. I don't know which episode they're going to show, but okay, let's let's just put, put it on in the background. And it's free? Yeah, completely free. See, I I have to imagine Impact is getting paid something to make all their content available like that. But again, it's just if you're looking from a, a strategic standpoint, like look at all these different avenues. And I'm sure mm. they're thinking is, well, we just want our product to be available everywhere, and if they're getting some money in exchange, that's great news for them. But I, I think it just it kind of hurts your ability to grow something like Impact Plus if you believe like what is your priority? What are what is the ultimate destination you want for your fan base? And if you're telling me you can get their library for free here on Pluto and it's running 24 hours a day on Twitch, uh, I, I think that kind of demeans your 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 paid service, which is Impact Plus. I think they have a lot of good ideas, but I don't know if they have not to not to make a pun about the biggest thing on, on, in the world right now, but I don't know if they have their end game mapped out. Uh, because yeah, like in on paper, the Twitch thing I think is is a really cool idea, and in execution it works pretty well. But then you've also got the YouTube page, you've also got GWN, you've also got Pluto TV, you've also got Pursuit for the people to get Pursuit. So are you splitting an already? small audience by having all these different avenues yeah i think i think it's a great question when you know the big the big selling feature for impact plus at the moment is your library and for someone like you that has followed impact since day one if you're able to get your fix through through something like pluto and you you don't feel the need to have to spend money for anything more then I, I think that's that's kind of eroding your 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 hardcore base. That uh, maybe if if your options were were less, you might be looking at, at signing up for the streaming service. And you know, once once in a blue moon, you sit down and you're going to watch an Impact pay per view from 2005. But let us get into the big pay per view from Sunday night. 
from Toronto, Ontario, at the Rebel Entertainment Complex. This is where Slammiversary took place last July, which was a very well-received uh, pay-per-view. And Josh Matthews and Don Callis were there to call the show. Uh, we had a big opening video centering around the theme of rebellion and what it is. And then we dove right into things with a unannounced six-man scramble match involving P.D. Williams, Jake Crist, Aiden Price, Ace Austin, Cousin Jake, and Eddie Edwards. Uh, how many of these names were you not familiar with, Nate, going into this? <laughs> Maybe half of the guys involved. Uh, obviously, I knew P.D., Eddie, uh, Ace Crist. Austin. Jake okay, Chris. you knew Ace Austin. Yeah, I knew Ace because they've been really focusing on him lately on Impact. Yes. yeah. Uh, but the other guys I really didn't know. Yeah. Um, cousin Jake is uh, Jake something who just debuted on on this past Friday's episode. He's teaming with uh, Cody Deaner uh, as part of the Deaners team. And Oh, yeah. I remember Callis talking about that, but mm. I, <laughs> I I was uh, looking up uh, in-game uh, uh, information while they were talking about that, and I, I guess I, I missed that segment on, on Twitch this week. Well, uh, Williams applied a sharpshooter onto Eddie Edwards, going for the, the easy reaction early on. Jake broke that up, and then Chris hit Austin with a cutter coming off the ropes, and then dove to the floor, hitting a DDT. Uh, Aiden Prince hit a 450 splash that Austin broke up the cover, and then Edwards hit Austin with a Tiger Driver getting a two-count, and the finish came when Williams hit the Canadian Destroyer onto Jake, and as he went for the cover, Austin broke it up with a sunset flip, grabbing the trunks of Petey Williams, so Ace Austin got the win, five minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, it was really clear, Nate, that this was a showcase for Ace Austin, who is the the pushed uh, commodity of these six. But I just thought this was super quick. And maybe it didn't need to be any longer than what it was, but it was, yeah, just a very fast opener. I think it did need to be longer, John. I think if you wanted to focus on a quick match to get Ace Austin over, you could have done that with, you know, a, a singles match or even a three-way match and put it in that, you know, six-minute time frame. But when you're bringing all these guys out, including, you know, people, names that people care about, like a, an Eddie Edwards or a Petey Williams, I think you probably should have been, you know, more in that nine-minute range, maybe ten-minute range. Mm -hmm. uh, so while, it, you know, nothing was bad, the guys worked really hard, it was just, and I'm, I'm having flashbacks to uh, Keep It 2000 with Brian Mann, it felt very much like those opening cruiserweight matches. Yeah, that, that's what this was. It was just go out there, out there. And, and go nuts for five minutes, and that, that was it. And hopefully you have a memory of Ace Austin by the end of the show. Matthews announced Impact Plus, and they, they mentioned there's going to be a new show every Wednesday, starting with Code Red on May the 5th, that I assume will have nothing to do with Amazing Red, who just recently <laughs> retired. I was going to say, maybe it's Amazing Red, or maybe it's like they're, they're bringing back that Mountain Dew flavor. Well, if they announced a three-hour special on a Wednesday night of old Amazing Red matches from their library, I think that would draw as much interest as uh, whatever this Code Red show is next week. Sammy Amazing Red, somebody again. I, somebody, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody the other night, John, uh, looking back at some old impacts from, uh, you know, particularly like that Asylum era, and it's like, wow, Amazing Red was so good and so underutilized, which could be like the subtitle for half a dozen guys that have come through this company. Yeah, uh, Amazing Red was a phenomenal talent, and when he announced his retirement just before WrestleMania weekend uh, last month, man, the, the amount of performers, present-day performers that mm. um, came out and were just 
showcasing him as like such a major influence. I think he is one of those influential figures that doesn't get as much of a spotlight as others, but he meant a lot to a lot of those like Northeast independent guys and then get did get a more broad uh, showcase through Ring of Honor and Impact in the early 2000s. After that, it was uh, Sammy Callahan cutting a promo. He was talking about Rich Swan being a fake, a phony, and that tonight Swan is not facing his big brother. He's facing the death machine. <laughs> and he he has no other choice, Nate. He's going to have to break Rich's legs. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, John. But <laughs> I I really like this. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later once we get to the match. But there's been some really good storytelling going on on Impact. The problem is it's like the, you know, the tree falls in the forest, that old saying. Like, there's great storytelling going on, but nobody's watching it. Yeah, this pay-per-view, um, the top five matches all had, like, pretty distinct stories and long-term uh build behind them and then you had these bottom three matches were kind of added at the last minute but the top five like those were all like they had their like these were not just thrown together matches i thought they had a really good build up for those top five and callahan and rich swan is one they've been building up for uh since the last pay-per-view yeah uh so originally scarlet bordeaux was going to do a live smoke show on this uh, pay-per-view, which was announced on Friday. And then today, just a few hours before the pay-per-view, they said, no, it's going to be Scarlet Bordeaux versus Rohit Raju. I don't know who it was that just ran to the building today and said, guys, 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 we're doing it all wrong. This is the match. We <laughs> need Rohit Raju versus Scarlet Bordeaux. And a light shone through the Rebel Entertainment Complex. <laughs> Everyone just looked up to the sky and they said, that's it. That's the match. Bordeaux came out with Falaba, and the crowd seemed as much into Falaba as they did anyone in this match. And it was pretty much the story was Rohit Raju feels that he is above this female wrestler, and she has no business being in the same ring as him. And it was Bordeaux getting one up on Rohit Raju and his partner Raj Singh. Uh, Gama Singh was also in the corner, and... It was Bordeaux just hitting moves that would get big reactions from the crowd. She hit uh, La Mystica, getting the crossface applied, hit a release German, and a high cross to the floor onto Raju and Raj Singh. And, you know, they spread out her her big spots in the match so that the crowd reacted. And I think it was early enough in the show that this was uh, like Scarlett Bordeaux certainly seemed over to the crowd. Yeah, and this was a match, John, that I wouldn't have put on – on the show on paper, like it's not something that I was, you know, looking forward to or, or even asking for. But that being said, once we actually got to the actual match, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, I don't need to see Scarlett Bordeaux become this, you know, feminist icon world beater. Uh, cause I don't think that's where she's best utilized as an in-ring competitor. Uh, but for an addition to this match, you could say, John, as an impact plus, uh, I thought it turned out pretty well. It ended when Raju was going to deliver the stink face to her, but he got kicked in the balls and Bordeaux hit strong zero to pin him in five minutes. And uh, I, I think that Scarlett Bordeaux, I think, has a ton of charisma. I, I think yeah. she could be a 
main event level manager. Like as much as we talk about uh, Selena De La Renta on MLW, I think Scarlett Bordeaux uh, could be her equal in Impact Wrestling. And, you know, clearly you can do a match with her when the story warrants it. I wouldn't have her wrestling every single week. I'd make that something special that you build up to. And this kind of just felt thrown onto the pay-per-view with, without too much reason behind it. But I mean, it was it was short, and the audience certainly was behind Scarlett Bordeaux. So this was not um, it, it. It worked for the time it was there. It was not anything memorable, but nothing I, I thought that was uh, detracted from the show either. No, and she definitely has a place on the roster because oh, like definitely. I think she is like like super charismatic. Yeah, like some of the funniest stuff that they've done in this company as of late was when uh, she was doing, like, the talent search. Yes. And she was just kind of roasting these random dudes that were trying to, <laughs> uh, which were trying to gain her favor. And it's like, yeah, she's, she's, like, not only is she attractive, but she is somebody that is great on the mic. And I think you're right. She could be a great asset to somebody who needs a mouthpiece. Yeah, especially as a heel. I think that's her calling. So look out for La Maybe... Maybe his long-term uh, connection to Scarlet Bordeaux may be limited. But then, but then, John, who's going to avenge the follow? Oh dear, we're already we're, we're doing this all night, folks. Like I, I, I must apologize to the listeners, John, because uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm still in in the after afterglow. I guess you could even say of uh, Endgame. So these these type of puns, they're coming. Moose. Ethan Page and Josh Alexander took on the Rascals, and this was set up on on Friday's Impact, and Moose has been feuding with the Rascals for quite a while. They have very good chemistry together, and Josh Alexander has just recently come in and has been paired with Ethan Page. They're teaming together as the North, and I think Alexander's been a great pickup. Uh, interesting, though, that here they are aligned with Moose as the heels in this match, but uh, not as much Page. I mean, he's a Hamilton guy. Uh, Josh Alexander has been on the Ontario independent scene for the longest mm. time. This crowd loved Josh Alexander. They were chanting gonna, walking weapon. Like, they were not booing this guy. I was going to ask, because I'm not very familiar with Josh Alexander, but I'm, I'm looking here. He's like, up to this point in the show, he's one of the, getting some of the biggest reactions. Yeah, I mean, he's been a staple uh, on the Ontario scene for over a decade. So, um, I mean, this this was a crowd that was very familiar with Josh Alexander. So, um, I, I kind of questioned having him in the in this heel role, but uh, th- this turned into a really spectacular match. You had uh, Moose hitting his real, real quick, real quick, John. Yeah. Before we get into the match, what you know, we talk about kind of the build up to some of these uh, matches on the pay per view this evening. What have you made of kind of the story of Moose and the Rascals? Because I. Again, to you to use a word I used earlier, I've been pleasantly surprised by how much I've enjoyed their kind of chemistry together. I think the Rascals have, it, like, what we talked about after after Moose failed against Austin Aries, and then they just had him turn and join Aries. I, I kind of thought they had done such a good job building up Moose for that challenge, and it just felt it felt really deflating to just turn him after he loses and he joins the guy he lost to. But as a heel, like clearly yeah, he this Kevin guy. Durant. He has a great personality, and I think the Rascals have brought the has brought that to the forefront. Like you, you saw him with the, like all the awesome outfits he's had, and uh, uh, playing off Mackenzie Mitchell, but yes. uh, playing with the Rascals and playing off of them, I think, has been this guy hitting just another level. I think it's been really great chemistry that he's had with the three of them. Do you think 
because he has been very entertaining as well as, you know, the, the rascals in this. Do you think there's a danger of him becoming too entertaining as, as, the, as this monster heel? Oh, I, I think at this point, they're almost expecting it, that the turn will come, that he is, he is so entertaining that the audience is going to uh, get behind this guy like they have Rusev in the past or something like mm. that. So uh, we start off with uh, Moose nailing Dez with a Okada-style dropkick. And then Dez went for uh, Will Ospreay's uh, Robinson special, which is like a spinning roundhouse kick. And he didn't come close to hitting Josh Alexander. And Callis just said, oh, it was a glancing blow. And you could see Alexander. He was like, God damn it. That did not come close. What am I going to do here? And he kind of just grabbed his head slowly more so like, oh, I've got a bit of a migraine forming. And he just like bailed out of the ring without like fully selling it. So it was just, let's just move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> then we had uh, Wentz hit a springboard cutter onto Moose into the ring. Then Trey did a springboard Rana into the ring onto Moose. Uh, and it's just the rascals hitting all their high flying stuff with Moose as the base. Uh, they end up on the floor where... Um, Wentz does his shooting star press from the ramp with Dez shoving him in midair to land yes. onto Ethan Page on the floor. That looks spectacular. Um, they just went through all this crazy stuff here, including uh, Moose catching Trey do doing a Topicon hero to the floor and just running him into the guardrail. And then Dez leapt off of Alexander's back onto the rest of them on the floor. And it came down to Alexander taking a Meteora, a, sp a Swanton, and a Spiral Tap by the Rascals. Page made the save, and then it's Moose and the North triple-teaming Dez, uh, which featured uh, a flip into a Spine Buster by Page. Moose hit a Brogue Kick, and then kind of a awkward-looking Spear, which yeah. was the finish, and he pinned Dez at 925. So there were a few hiccups in this one. I'm not going to say this was a, a perfect match, but... I thought the chemistry was there, and the audience really seemed into this for the most part. Yeah, I don't know if Dez was trying to do the deal, you know, when you get speared and you do the rotation. I thought that's what he was going for, and they just seemed to have, like, either their footing or timing off. But, yeah, that's what I thought, too. He was going to do, like, the inside-out uh, flip from the spear. Yeah, but other than other than that, you know, kind of wonky finish and a couple of, you know, missed camera angles on big spots, I thought this was where the show started to, you know, kick it to a different gear. Not that what we saw before this was bad, but this kicked it up a notch in terms of in-ring activity. And I'm, I'm a fan of the Rascals, you know, both with their character work and also, you know, the stuff they do in ring. Uh, and I think Moose works well with those smaller guys. And then when you added, you know, Ethan Page and uh, Josh Alexander, I thought, you know, all six guys – uh, had a really good showing in this match. Yeah, I mean, there aren't too many people who could get over those rascals, like that 70s show style yeah. segments. Like, those would die a death with most people, and they've worked for those three very well. I think it's because they're likable. Yes. And if they weren't likable, it would come across as, you know, they they, they would feel obnoxious. They would feel like, you know, douchey frat guys instead of, lovable stoners i guess and, and so it it works not only with their you know the skits they do in the back but also the way their characters are in the ring i i, I really like those guys and i think you know there is there is there are big things ahead for them either as a unit or individually down the line yeah i, I think that there is not not to make a direct comparison but it, it's kind of similar with the new day that even if there's 
segments that don't always click. Like it's so apparent the like these are three friends. Like these yes. guys are genuinely friends, and therefore you you know these guys are like legitimately have a, a, a close friendship. Uh, and it's not just, these are uh, a bunch of people that are being paired together for a wrestling program. Melissa Santos was in the back and she interviewed Johnny impact and Taya Valkyrie ahead of their matches tonight, defending their titles. And that took us to our first title match, Taya Valkyrie and Jordan grace for the knockouts title. Uh, did you happen to see this big attack by Taya on Jordan grace <laughs> inside the gym on Friday? Oh, see, that's why you don't skip leg day, bro. Man, <laughs> this this is a very awkward beatdown by Taya, where they had to incorporate gym equipment into this yes, attack. Yes, yes, ending with a DDT onto a onto a onto a weight. Now, now, John Pollock. See, I think, and again, you know, I, I've never stepped foot in the ring. I, I've never been a professional wrestler, so far be it from me to to second guess professionals. But if you're in the gym and you, and she grabs this big weight, uh to DDT Jordan on why Jordan's laying face down. Why wouldn't you just drop the weight on the back as, I mean, obviously you got to do it carefully, but to me, that would be more, more natural and logistical. If this were a quote unquote real fight, then to, I'm going to put this weight down, set it up. Now I got to bring you back up and DDT you on the weight awkwardly. Well, when I watched it, like I, th I thought it was a very, uh, very campy segment, but on top of that, I mean, th there was no recognition of that in this match either. It's not as if Jordan Grace came in selling the effects of this. That <laughs> it, in their world, hard. this happened two days ago. So yep. I, I think it was a waste of an angle if there was no reason for it other than, well, they're having a match on Sunday, so we have to do something. Um, uh, to me, it was just kind of a, a waste of a supposed injury angle where it played – like we were focused on the arm here, even though we we watched her head drilled into a weight on Friday. Maybe they should have. This should have led to like a a hardcore gym match where all the objects in the ring are gym equipment. Well, Slammiversary is a couple months away, Nate. We can't be giving that away in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, I'm giving that to Callis and Demore for free. They book a Let's Get Physical match where all of the implements in the match are, uh, you know, you got the Lex Luger, Lex Flexer, you you got the Thigh Master, you got you know arm weights, and 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 add that into the match. So is the uh, the theme song going to be provided to us by Gym Class Heroes? <laughs> I think that could work. I think that could work, John. This is, you know, I don't know why we're giving these people uh, ideas for free. We should be, we should be uh, selling them this. So uh, Grace came out attacking her immediately, going for covers, and then Taya got the heat by snapping her arm onto the rope, and that became the whole focus of the match. She was trying for submissions on the right arm. She yelled "Oh Canada!" at the crowd before hitting a draping DDT, uh, but. Didn't land on a weight this time. She had a cushion with the ring. Uh, Grace fought back with a clothesline with the damaged arm. And she went for a Michinoku driver. And she nearly lost Taya as she went to hit this. And Don Callis was so quick on his feet, just attributing this to the arm injury that she nearly lost her with the Michinoku driver. So I thought that was Don Callis really uh, thinking quickly. Uh, Grace hit a muscle buster for a two count, and then Taya struck her with knees, a headbutt. Each was countering the other's finisher, and in the end, Grace's arm gave out, and it allowed Taya to hit the road to Valhalla to win the match clean in nine minutes and retain the title. I was, I was a little bit surprised by this outcome and how clean it was because mm. this, um, it didn't really leave itself open for this program to continue and 
Well, maybe based on our next women's match, maybe that's because this is not continuing. But this seemed pretty definitive for Taya winning the match. I agree. I, I was surprised by the results as well. Uh, but then knowing what would happen in, in the later women's match, it, it kind of makes sense now. I just hope that Jordan Grace doesn't get lost in the shuffle because she is she's really a good. great, yeah, she's a great young worker. And I think like this women's low key is is when you talk about. Rosemary and Jordan Grace and Tessa Blanchard and Kira Hogan and, and uh, Taya. Like, they got some really talented women. But again, it's it's just a matter of how do we bring eyeball screen so people can see the talent that we have on the roster. Yeah, I, I think when you include Kira Hogan, Rosemary, and, and Sue Young as well, I, I think yes. like they're almost in their own division that I, I think you have to bring them out of that whole undead stuff which i feel has kind of run its course i'm not saying to ditch the characters completely but have them kind of part of this division as well because i I think that that really does accentuate the the amount of talent they have uh with their their females in this company okay john now you you bringing up sue young and, and 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 that angle the last time we talked, when we reviewed the – well, the last time we talked about Impact, uh, when we reviewed the uh, Conda.com homecoming, that was the start of the the Dark Alley story. Yes, when Allie was alive. Yes. Now that it's over and uh, Allie is, you know, dead and gone and resurrected uh, <laughs> in, in AEW, uh, what did you make of that whole story? I – I have not been a fan uh, of the undead realm and all of it. I, I find it's really like it loses me as a viewer. And I, I saw how it, it felt way too Lucha Underground for me and not in a good way. But I will say the handling of Allie being written off, I thought was actually really I liked that segment. I thought it was really you could easily scoff at at like killing off of a character, but I thought that the fact that everyone knew she was legitimately leaving the company, there was actually something real there that you could attach yourself to that, okay, we know this woman is not dying, but we do know she's legitimately leaving this company, and it was a way to write off the character, and I think that that should be kind of closing the door to all the undead stuff because I think they've gone as far as they need to, and I don't think it's been all that effective, to be honest. No. And I think part of the problem is they tried to kind of do some of the Broken Universe stuff, but it didn't work because I believe with the Broken Universe, yeah, they did some crazy, zany, out there stuff. But there was also this kind of underlying tone of, you know, we're in on the gag. Whereas with this, it felt like it was played serious, like there were actual scenes some weeks on Impact that looked like they were ripped out of a horror movie. And so I, I never felt connected, despite the fact that I liked all of the people involved in the story, including, uh, you know, Sinister Minister James Mitchell. It never grabbed me as a fan, you know. So I'm, I'm glad they kind of ended it on a, on a decent note, uh, if not a good note. But yeah, I, I hope that they would stay away from that for a while. Maybe Rosemary will start hosting a kid show on a on a, <laughs> on a television set. Yes, because that, that that always works. Uh, so then that, uh, moves things on to Rich Swan, Sammy Callahan. This is an OVE rules match, which just means there's no disqualification <laughs> for the X division title. And Callahan came out, uh, paying homage to, uh, big, uh, big Sally Graziano and, uh, little Guido while being on Madman Fulton's shoulders. 
And then Rich Swan came out. There was no dancing. He was serious. Yep. And I thought this really carried through in the match that this could have just fallen into just, you know, I hit you with a weapon, you hit me with a weapon. But I thought that the two characters really uh, were the strength of this. And in particular, Rich Swan having a really serious tone to him uh, throughout this match that he was willing to go to Sammy Callahan's level to try and beat him. And that started mm. by him being the one to initiate uh, the staple gun spots at the stop uh, at the start of the match and nailing Callahan with, with the staple gun and then getting hit himself with it. And then we just went into it just seemed like a race to come up with the most creative usage of weapons uh, throughout <laughs> this match. And Callahan set up a guardrail between the ramp and the steps and then left it there for everyone to remember that that's there. And they use it as a callback later in the match uh, while they used uh, aluminum pans. Uh, Callahan spit into Swan's face, but Swan the idea was Swan was not going to sell any of Callahan's tactics because he just wiped the spit over his face, which was grosser than anything in this mm. match. Um, <laughs> Swan swung around a pole at the entrance and hit a Hurricane Rana and then a handspring cutter off of the ramp. And each of them used the groin claw throughout the match, uh, which is self-explanatory. Uh, Callahan then brought out a box of Lego and... I couldn't believe Way was not watching this because a hundred pieces of Lego were spread out on the canvas and obviously Impact did not follow the uh the IWS story from WrestleMania weekend where they got a cease and desist for promoting a fans bring the Lego match, but maybe because they did not promote this ahead of time, they will uh they will escape any warnings from Lego. But uh Callahan took a Hurricane Rana onto the Lego, then threw powder into Swan's face and delivered a pile driver off the turnbuckle, onto the Lego. Mm. <laughs> Swan still kicked out. And then Callahan brought out the barbed wire baseball bat. Swan yelled he would never quit. This is when Swan used the groin claw, took control of the bat. Callahan begged off. He said, I love you. But Swan hit him anyway and applied a crossface using the barbed wire bat. And Sa Sammy Callahan uh, tapped out. And I, I skimmed over it, but there was... Uh, they did go back to that guardrail spot because Callahan delivered a pile driver through the guardrail. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't really impactful towards the finish. It was kind of just a stunt set up for later in the match, but didn't set up the finish. So Callahan taps out and Swan retains the title 16 minutes and six seconds. I really enjoyed this. I thought that the story that they've been telling leading up to this has been compelling. Uh, I love the more serious version of Rich Swan, you know, and I think, you know, the look where, you know, he doesn't have the beard anymore. Yeah, he makes, Swan was really good in this match. Makes, you know, it makes him look more dangerous. And, and yeah, both guys worked really hard. Uh, as much as I want to give credit to Rich Swan, he certainly deserves a good deal of credit for this match. I think if we go back, John, and look at the last year, year and a half of Impact Wrestling, a lot of the, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting choked up here talking about this, uh, this, this, feud between these two brothers uh the no the common uh, younger brother and death machine as they are known yes younger brother and death machine my, my bad uh but if you look back at the last year year and a half of impact one of the common themes the common denominators has been sammy callahan has been involved in some of the best matches that they put on whether you talk about uh his matches with eddie edwards or the matches with uh pentagon pentagon yes 
I, I, I still love that match. And so I don't think Sammy Callahan gets enough credit for not only his heel character, mm-hmm. but the way that he is so creative in what could be in the hands of a lesser worker, just a throwaway garbage match. He reminds me a lot of uh, Raven when he mm. when he came back to uh, WWF uh, around 2000, 2001, and they threw him into the hardcore division. And by that time, it was such a cliche, the hardcore match, that when Raven was there, you could see he had a lot of different ideas. to. Tr- he's, he understood, okay, I'm kind of pigeonholed in this hardcore division. How can I make it? kind of unique and different from past hardcore matches. And I think Callahan does not look at himself as pigeonholed, but he is this guy that can have these big weapons matches, and it's coming up with creative ways to do what fans have seen tons of over and over again and do it with strong personalities. And I, I thought that this was an example of that done right. And he's so good in, with his character and in these matches that absorbing these losses don't hurt him. No, he's a guy that stays over with his promo work and he is the like the eternal villain on this show. Like he should never I don't think anyone ever wants to see this guy turn, at least uh not for a long, long, long time, because he is so entrenched in this role. So uh Swan gets the win, retains the title, and then they announced uh television tapings. They're going to be running Philadelphia this Friday and Saturday, and then they'll come back June 6th and 7th at the Melrose Ballroom in New York. Tessa Blanchard was interviewed backstage and asked about uh, the disrespect she has shown Gail Kim, and she counters Melissa Santos saying she was brought up with respect. And once upon a time, she did respect Gail Kim, but all of that disappeared when Kim cost her the championship. And Kim is not going to come out of retirement and make an example out of her. And then, out of nowhere, (laughs) random Tully Blanchard just walks in. Tully Blanchard's in Canada. And he just walks up. Tessa's shocked. He's like, Daddy, you've crossed the border? And (laughs) Tully said, I would not miss this match for anything. I'm going to be ringside. I was like, what what an unexpected cameo here uh, by Tully Blanchard. And... I don't know about you, Nate, but I watched this and I mean, Tessa's done stuff with her father many, many times, but it really hit me watching this, how there has to be one day that we get this program with Charlotte and Tessa. Mm. Absolutely. You know, and, and in many ways you could say Tessa is impacts version of Charlotte Flair. I I think she's to me, hands down the best woman on, on this roster and would be top tier in WWE right now. Absolutely. And it's not just because of the family connection, but she knows her character. She's great in the ring. She has a personality that, that uh, works with the audience. And I really enjoyed this this promo because not only uh, because a wild Tully Blanchard appeared, uh, <laughs> but because they were setting, they were sowing the seeds, at least in my opinion, uh, for what what is to come. And, and I think what is to be the path for Tessa after uh, the show because, you know, her, her big thing was talking about respect. And you could chalk it up to heel logic in, within her saying, the only reason I did bad things is because you did a bad thing to me. But I think they're, they're working on turning Tessa into, if not a absolute babyface, into somebody that we will cheer for going up against Ty of Valkyrie. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about kind of how they are getting to, getting to that place. But, um, among the big matches, like there's been some very good buildups on this show, but 
I'll say this was the match I was most looking forward to on this show. I think they really? did such a great job with these two building it up uh, as Gales coming out of retirement, having her last real match. Because when they did the the last retirement with with her, which was Bound for Glory 2017, I had to look it up today. I thought it. I remember the night like they gave her like a nice send off, but Impact was going through night. so much turmoil at that point that. It didn't really feel special in hindsight, and I was glad that they were circling back and doing it again. I, I, I mean, I know that she retired, but who, who did she even wrestle at that Bound for Glory? I can't remember. It was a three-way with Sienna, and uh, I would have to look up who the other one was. Maybe it was – I'll find it for you here. Like the, the fact that you can't even think of it off the top of your head kind of tells you right there how, how impactful it was. So it was Gail Kim, Sienna, and Allie in a three-way for the knockouts oh, okay. title. And Gail Kim won the title in her final match. Mm. And see, that, that should have been a bigger moment because one could make the argument. I don't even think you have to make the argument. Gail Kim is the most important woman in this company's history. The match that followed Gail Kim's retirement at Bound for Glory was Bobby Lashley and King Mo versus Moose and Stefan Bonner in a steel cage match. <laughs> oh, what, I mean, what a not, not a great match, but I think that that was during the whole uh, uh, America's Top Team thing, wasn't yes. it? So at least the story was probably good. Yes, with Dan Lambert. Yes, Dan, I was trying to think of his name. Dan Lambert was awesome during that feud. So uh, Kim comes down to the ring. They show Tully in the audience, but it's not until like halfway through the match that the camera finds Robert Irvine. He is not. Yeah, he's not identified until like midway through the match. I mean, maybe he was not there. I don't know, but it was. I assumed that he would be at this match, but at the beginning they only showed Tully, uh, and it looked like uh, Irvine got better seats. And that that to me is something that should have been cleaned up by your production crew. Like, you know, this is part of the story. You know that, you know, even if he wasn't involved in this story, you know, he, he's a famous person. Let's get him on camera. So Kim just started off quick and ended up on the floor where Blanchard hit a tope under the middle rope. And they were going at a very fast pace at the start. Uh, Blanchard attacked her back with a tilt a whirl and then a Saito suplex. And then Kim ran at Blanchard missed and she flew through the ropes and crashed onto the floor. But Kim then recovered from that, applied the figure four around the post, and was going after Blanchard's knee. Uh, she went for eat defeat and got kicked out of the ring. They go onto the ramp, and Blanchard lifts her up with a full Nelson, almost like a glam slam that she was setting her up for. But instead of dropping her on the ramp, she tossed her off the ramp to the floor. And this just looked brutal because you did not see this coming. Now, I thought that was a really cool spot. And, you know, Gail, I think Gail did a great job in this match. Like, it's her last match, so you might as well pull out all the stops, I guess. Yeah, she went with everything here. She countered a slingshot suplex, which, of course, was Tully's famous move. And Kim hit Eat Defeat, which Blanchard kicked out from. And they fight on top of the turnbuckle, and Kim is going for a dragon sleeper when Blanchard bites the arm to get free and then press slams Kim from the turnbuckle off the turnbuckle and hits a super code breaker, which Kim kicks out of. And then Blanchard applies uh, a new submission hold. Uh, it's like an STF, but it's under the it's under the chin. So it's actually an STS as uh, I was once corrected when Becky 
uh, Nikki Bella started using this um, <laughs> and rolled her to the center and Gail Kim tapped out. So you established this new submission, which I thought was a great idea. Um, Tessa wins 13 minutes, two seconds. And afterwards, um, you know, the audience is really into it. It's a strong match. Blanchard goes to the floor. She hugs her father, who sends her back into the ring, and they tease that they're going to go at it or something. There'll be some, like, attack by Blanchard. Instead, the two hug. They have a, a, a real moment here uh, with Kim uh, pretty much just handing over the torch here to Tessa Blanchard, and the crowd is chanting, thank you, Gail, as she uh, exits the ring. She was the one left to get the the ovation, and... Yeah, it seemed that by the end of this, they were kind of directing Tessa, certainly towards a, a more of a babyface character. But I wonder if they are still wanting to maintain a bit of that edge. Because I would say if it was like a wholesale turn, they would have omitted that the biting spot. Because that seemed yeah. to really keep her in that in that heel persona, which I think she's so great as a heel. Uh, I'm not dying to see her turn, but that seems to be the direction they're going here. And this, I, I thought both women just, they had a tremendous match. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, well, not only did, did they have the biting spot, but when she first applied uh, the STS on Gail, Gail got to the ropes. Right, and she yanked and her she off just of pulled the ropes. Her, yeah, yeah, just yanked her right back. Uh, so we we still had a bit of an edge with Tessa, but I, I love this match. I thought that both women went out there and worked extremely hard. Uh, this much more fitting send-off for than the match that I couldn't remember <laughs> from two years ago. Uh, and, and I really liked that you had Tully not only in the promo earlier, but here in the post-match, you know, stress that we're about respect, you know. And and so I, I enjoyed that moment of respect. I enjoyed the, you know, Gail Kim getting, getting uh, the, the props from the crowd. And I think there's a way to have Tessa keep some of this edge but still be the one the crowd is behind going up against Taya because Tessa can be somebody who will bend the rules, maybe even break the rules, but at the end of the day, she's about competing in the ring, whereas Taya is somebody who is, you know, using her influence and her connections and and, and getting by that way, at least in storyline. So I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they can do with these two women who are really good in the ring, but also really strong with the character work. Yeah, between the Crockett Cup and this, it was a good weekend uh, of usage yes. by the uh, the legends of uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. So do you think we, we see more Tully, or was this a one-time deal? I could see him doing the tapings tomorrow night. I mean, if he's in town, uh, they're doing the tapings Monday night in Toronto. Uh, I, I I would say if he's around, I'd absolutely love to see him used again. I mean, the short promo he had was <laughs> like one of the better promos on the show, I thought. So uh, I'm all I mean, for If you can Tully. get a Tully Blanchard, you get a Tully Blanchard. So, yeah, I, I would hope they would use him for the uh, TV. Um, so Brian Cage uh, cut a promo. Uh, man, this was just a lot of yelling. He was <laughs> like, this was your stereotypical wrestler promo, uh, and he was going to make it the age of Cage. Mm. So, interestingly enough, it was the Impact title match that went on second from the top uh, with Full Metal Mayhem going on last. Uh, I would say in foresight and in hindsight, they made the right call. Yes, I, I certainly agree. Uh, I think this is also kind of a course correction from Homecoming, I believe, in which the LAX match yes. was second to last, but it should have been the main event. You know, if you had told me at the beginning of this show, Nate, that 
the title match is not going on last, I would have thought there was a decent chance they might have put in the Gail Kim match on last. I thought mm. that that picked up a lot of momentum. And here in Toronto, like Gail Kim did all the media uh, going around promoting the show. Uh, she was like throwing out the in an interesting trivia note. This whole city, Nate, has gone insane for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. His first game with the Jays <laughs> was on Friday. So if this guy becomes a Hall of Famer, which all the people here in Toronto believe he will already be uh, the person who threw the opening pitch of Vladimir Guerrero's first game in the majors was Gail Kim. Oh, so one, from one Hall of Famer to a future Hall of Famer. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real quick before we get into the match, uh, obviously Lance Storm, a big part of this, uh, former guest on, uh, Keeper 2000. Uh, I think that, you know, is at the top of his credits list. Yeah, a way bigger accolade uh, than, uh, being a referee here at Rebellion. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, what, what have you made of Lance, is Lance's involvement in this story? Because I think it's, it's been a great addition and the stuff they did on the go home show, uh, with the promo with him and, uh, Taya and uh, Johnny, I, I really enjoyed it. I think that, so, so Lance has explained that he has been coming in as, uh, as a road agent and it's kind of a, a, tr a trial period for both. He's going to see if he enjoys it and they're going to see if it, he's a good fit. So, He's not full-time with them, but based on the television, I think that you could easily transition this guy into your authority role, where yes. he's much more like a regal. He's not out every week. He's not this over-the-top character. He's the serious, ethical uh, authority figure that is there to rule, to put the rule in place, and if need be, he can do that one match a year, uh, which regal can't, so... Um, yeah. I think that that's kind of the role that you should transition him to. And he's going to be primarily a road agent, but he can also serve as this authority figure every now and then, which I think could be a very effective role for him. And as much as was made of him during particularly his WWE run of, you know, the, the, the guy that has a lack of charisma, like the promo he cut on the go home show was, was really great and really got you invested in kind of the real life story of these three individuals. So they come out, uh, everyone gets a pretty good reaction here. Brian Cage came out uh, dressed as the Terminator. He just had this insane outfit. And <laughs> Cage just starts going a million miles an hour. He's hitting all his big moves. He hit an F5, a deadlift vertical. And you're thinking he's going to win this match in the first three minutes. He was just hitting all his big stuff. He hit a fallaway slam into a moonsault. And finally, Impact struck him in the throat and hit a Spanish fly off the ramp to the floor uh, before he drove Cage's head into the guardrail, uh, busting open Cage. Uh, so uh, a lot of blood this weekend uh, in various title matches. Uh, so what did you see here? Because, man, it looked like Cage, in whether it was the Spanish fly or the guardrail spot, like it looked like he got rocked at some point here because in the middle of this match, like you can see Johnny Impact uh, whispering to him and mm. like it seemed like this guy got rocked at some point and he still had a lot of stuff to do in this match and the post match yeah and, and I don't know exactly where the moment was that he got his bell rung but you know it, it, it very well could have been that Spanish fly because that was just a, a, a crazy yeah. maneuver uh, but to the credit of both guys like a they they got through the match and you know the the the, the right outcome occurred so I, I got to give both of them credit for that because I had had that happened to me John <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm done. I think I would have been 
yeah, I'm done. I would have been like your, your man Peter Parker in Infinity War. Like, like uh, Mr. Storm, I don't feel so good. <laughs> so Taya and uh, Johnny Bravo brought out a table to set up on the floor. Uh, Impact is attacking Cage. Cage got set up on the table, but he got up to powerbomb Impact through it. Then Johnny Bravo gets dragged into the ring, and the physicality they did with Lance involved Impact, uh, Johnny Impact, grabbing the title. Um, first of all, when I wrote my headline for the story on the site, I had written Impact Wrestling's Rebellion, uh, colon, Johnny Impact versus Brian Cage for the Impact title. And as I'm looking at this, I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, there is Impact three times in this title here. Uh, I hate this guy's name. I really, I really detest the haha, it's whatever promotion he goes to. He gets a new last name. Johnny Impact to me, like, it sounds like an opening match name. So, so what you're saying is when you were typing the title, it was like Impact Plus? Oh, oh God, yeah. It was Impact Excess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Johnny Impact has the title. Storm gets pulled to the floor by Taya as Impact hits Cage with the title. And then Impact, Johnny, drop kicks Lance <laughs> through the ropes. Uh, and then Cage takes Taya and power bombs her. Johnny then grabs the title. Uh, takes out Cage with it, and Johnny barely hits Starship Pain. Johnny Bravo has a referee shirt on. He counts two, and then Lance returns, and his big spot is super kicking Johnny Bravo as Cage recovers, hits the drill claw, and he pins Johnny Impact 13 minutes and 16 seconds to win the title. Um, it seems short for a title match, although, yeah. um, yeah, we'll, we'll try and find out, uh, if Cage got hurt at all during this match, but you know, they, they finished strong and the crowd was really into this. I didn't think this was the best match on the show, but the audience was pretty into it for, with all the big spots and the utilization of Lance at the end got a big pop too. So I, I think the ideas clicked. I think all things considered, you know, like you said, we don't know how out of it Brian Cage was, you know, for the latter part of this match. I think they did as good as they could. And, and Lance was a great addition to this uh and i think brian cage you know promo aside is a really talented guy and it'll be interesting to see uh you know we we see in the post-match what's going to happen next but it'll be interesting to see how his reign as champion goes uh do you think because because coming into this night john i felt that either both johnny and taya would retain or they would both lose yeah, uh, I was, I was thinking both that... were going to lose. That was my thought. So I was kind of surprised when Taya uh, retained. Um, so yeah, they had Taya retain. Impact loses the title. I did feel it was time for Cage to win because, you know, we talked about last summer with, with Moose. I think you can yeah. only go so far with a, with a top baby face and he failed at homecoming and then they did this big build up. Like it's a really big step back had he lost here yet again because they, they had evened up the, the, the odds with Lance now as the referee. Like it just seemed like it was time to flip the title onto Brian Cage. So I, I thought they went with the right idea. But his next challenge has also been set up, Nate, because as Cage is celebrating with the title, out walks Michael Elgin, his uh, his former tag partner as the unbreakable effing machines. And he stood toe to toe with Brian Cage. Cage held up the title and Elgin pointed to it. And then he attacked Cage, hit him with an Elgin bomb and then held up the title. Uh, so. Don Callis, in explaining that he uh, left New Japan because he wants to become the Impact Champion, uh, noted, 
I work with New Japan uh, the odd time. <laughs> the odd time. Don Callis works at uh, New Japan. But um, so not just bringing in Michael Elgin, but bringing him in uh, with a top spot here. Like this is going to yeah. be the title program. Uh, what did you think about this direction to, to bring in Elgin and this being Cage's first program? It was interesting. It was a genuine surprise to me. I don't know if you had heard anything about him coming to Impact, John, prior to the night. So, yeah, I was certainly surprised. Uh, And I'm going to lean on your journalistic uh, credentials here uh, to – would it be going too far to say that the last time he really had a – major role in North America, you know, he was kind of seen as a pariah on the way out. Is that going too far? I, I th- think he's he's definitely faced, like, a lot of bad publicity over all the issues that, that went down over the past, uh, over a year now, a year and a half. So, I mean, he has been doing independence uh, primarily in Canada, although he has done mm. some in the States as well. But, I mean, he's had a very low profile um, yeah. in the U.S. and Canada. So this is going to be a test to see if people are receptive to him or not. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I mean, he left new Japan at the end of March and hadn't shown up anywhere since then, uh, in terms of a, of a big promotion. So, uh, coming here to impact, uh, I I'm curious if it's, it's going to be something where he's going to have to maybe go over everything that has gone down and explain it. And, or maybe not. Maybe people are not going to hold that kind of uh, level of scrutiny towards him. Um, mm. You know, it's it, it's, a, it's a very complicated story of all the stuff that uh, he went through. So I definitely uh, suggest that you, you know, can read up on it. And I'll be curious if any of it's addressed or if it's just considered that, you know, that's he is he's a guy that is a. He's a very, very talented wrestler, and people are willing to watch him in a, in a prominent position. I think that's going to be known pretty soon, probably. Yeah, and I think I would have a bigger issue if they were trying to bring him in as some conquering hero babyface. Uh, but I think the role that he's in can work. And like you said, regardless of what you think about him as an individual or some of the outside of the ring stuff uh, that he's been connected to, he can go in the ring. And I think he's a very smart choice from a wrestling perspective for Cage's first challenge. Yeah. I think that, you know, they, they have a history together. Uh, I think that, you know, in the ring, they should have some very, very solid matches together. So um, yeah, that's the direction that they're going with, uh, with Cage and Elgin and, then after that, they announced their next pay-per-view, which will be Slammiversary on Sunday, July the 7th in Dallas, Texas, which is very interesting because that's going to be the night after the G1 show in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. So that means in the span of one week, Raw will be there on Monday in Dallas, New Japan on Saturday, and Impact is going to run a pay-per-view on Sunday. So that's a lot of wrestling for that yeah. market. and. You know, for Slammiversary, I'm sure the idea is there's going to be people traveling for New Japan, and they're going to be there on Sunday, and we might be able to piggyback off of New Japan, uh, which has not been uh, the success I think people thought it would be getting out of the gate. But nonetheless, there are still people traveling there, and they didn't announce a venue for Slammiversary, but obviously it's it's not going to be a, a giant arena that they're trying to fill either. No, and I think the real question, John, 
is will we see another appearance by the Von Erich family like we did at that one anniversary in Texas? I, th- I think Kevin's done traveling. I think he's in Hawaii for the rest <laughs> of his life. I, I don't think. But that's, that's a great point. That was the highlight of that last time, which I believe was a anniversary as well in Dallas. Yeah. Yep. Maybe they'll get Dixie to show up. Maybe she'll go into the Hall of Fame. Oh. <laughs> uh, so you know, sometimes I miss Dixie Carter, John, but then other times it's like a it's like a bad having a bad ex. Like you remember the good times, you're like, huh, what I wonder if I should give her a call. And then you remember the bad times, you're like, oh, there's a reason why why there's a prefix to uh the girlfriend portion. You don't you don't miss those uh those weekly follow TNA Dixie on Twitter plugs from the announcers? <laughs> Every single I do, week. I do not. I, I don't miss uh I think was it once on I think it was during either the MTV Music Awards or the Grammys or something like that. And she compared something Nicki Minaj did to herself and it was when she was doing Heel Dixie and she's like Nicki Minaj learned that from me and I was like oh okay Dixie you tried it. You, t- you tried to be relevant with the young people. Well as a uh, as Dixie is probably a uh, humming a uh, dungeon dragon uh while watching this pay-per-view. Uh I wonder if Dixie Carter still tunes into Impact pay-per-views. She does. Uh, like I'll see from time to time. She will. Like she tweets every tweet. now and then. Yeah. Like uh, anyway, Conan gave a pep talk to LAX. Called it a Mexican standoff tonight with Pentagon and Phoenix, and that took us to our main event: Full Metal Mayhem. Pentagon. That was a beautiful pun, by the way. Oh yes. <laughs> Pentagon and Phoenix defending the tag titles against Santana and Ortiz. And, man, uh, there was so much insanity in this match. I mean, they went all out. Uh, LAX double-teamed Pentagon with a code breaker off the middle rope. And then they double-teamed Phoenix, who I thought Phoenix was fantastic in this match. I mean, everyone had their moments, but I just thought Phoenix was fantastic throughout these 20 minutes. Ortiz draped Phoenix on the top rope, and there was a Tower of London onto two chairs with Santana hitting a double foot stomp off the top. Um, and then uh, Santana took Pentagon, launched him into the crowd. Conan handed forks to LAX, and they were uh, thwarted with chairs, and all four men went down from these chairs. And then you forgot about the forks until they played a part near the end. Uh at one point, they set up all these chairs, and they just sat across from each other and just started wailing on each other while seated, which was a, a nice breather for them, I guess. Uh, there were six chairs set up. Phoenix came off with a foot stomp to Santana into the Fear Factor by Pentagon, which is a package pile driver. Santana kicked out of that. Phoenix then scaled the ropes and hit a Spanish fly off the ladder through tables on the ramp mm. as the audience went nuts. This was – was this the craziest – spot of the match in a in a match full of crazy spots this might have been the craziest uh and, and i'm trying to think back like i don't know once once we get to the finish of this match john that, that, that might be a good question to ask which match was crazier this match or the match that we saw between this lax and the original lax at homecoming because that one was crazy too that one was uh it didn't have the time this one did but man i thought that one was just I, I, that might have been the best match that the two teams had. Like they were just on fire, and that didn't have all of these weapons. It was a very different match, but yeah, that was a, a great comparison. 
Pentagon hit Santana with a Pentagon driver for a two count, and then Pentagon brought tacks into the ring, placed them over these tables with a ladder set up. Santana threw tacks into the face of Pentagon, uh, insinuating that he might have swallowed some of these tacks. They climb the ladder. They're battling. Pentagon gets stopped by Ortiz from behind as Santana pulls out a fork and stabs Pentagon in the face with the fork. And Ortiz then powerbombed him off the ladder through the table of tacks and pinned Pentagon 20 minutes, 50 seconds as LAX regains the Impact Tag Titles. This was just – it was nuts. And it seemed to the live crowd this was the match of the show. And hard to argue with that. It was pretty spectacular and also the culmination of a very uh, successful and lengthy feud between the two teams. Mm. I'm not one uh, that is often intrigued by hardcore matches, John. I think you and I kind of share a similar attitude towards most hardcore matches. But when they're done well, like this or like the Sammy Callahan matches we talked about, they can be very compelling. And there was not a minute during this match where I wasn't glued to the screen. Uh there's so much chemistry between these two teams. Obviously, everybody knows how great the Lucha Brothers are. But I think if we've seen anything over the past year, year and a half again, John, through watching Impact, I think you got to start putting LAX up there, you know, with the Lucha Brothers, with, you know, teams like the Young Bucks or the Usos. When you talk about great tag teams today. Yeah, these are two of the best. I think that these two teams have been phenomenal for one another. I think they've really um, I think they've really helped Impact change their identity through this this tag program and really revitalizing this tag division it's built up santana and ortiz as one of the best teams in the world um and i think conan uh deserves no small uh credit for the success uh of this program and of lax he's been outstanding as their mouthpiece and i think he has had a big role in the rise of lax as well and all four of them were in the ring conan brought them together And he said, on three, we go Lucha Brothers, LAX. And Ortiz yells, why do Lucha Brothers go first? And then (laughs) they cheered together, and then they all hugged, and they buried the issues uh, between them. Uh, So this really felt like the end of the feud. And a question as to the future as well for Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. Yeah, you know, this might be the beginning of their swan song on Impact. I think... The question for me, John, coming out of this is now that you've had this great feud with the Lucha Brothers, now that, you know, the feud with the original LAX is in, in the rearview mirror, where do you go next for Santana and Ortiz? Because, like I said, I think they're great, but they need somebody great to go with them. Like, it just can't be – you just can't put these guys in there with anybody. Like, you, you'll get a good match, but I don't know if you'll have the emotional connection that the two feuds with LAX and uh, the Lucha Brothers had. Yeah, it's it's always tough when you go from a program like this to what, what is the follow-up. Um, so like You can't not, – like, just picking a random name of a team from TNA Pass, you can't have the next feud be with uh, Santana and Ortiz versus the Bromans. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's, you know, when you're looking at the the tag teams, like it's it's largely been on the shoulders of these four carrying this tag division. So, um, yeah, perhaps coming out of television, we'll have a better idea of what is next now for LAX. But uh, that- and, and like you said, John, we had a good feel good moment at the end too, which is is uh, very rare these days in wrestling. So I, I enjoyed, you know, kind of 
both teams squashing the beef, and, and then we get that great shot with the ring filled with everybody supporting them and, and Santana and Ortiz holding up the belts as we go off the air. Yeah, all the baby faces came out and were in the ring there, and they, yeah, it went off the air with the ring full of uh, them congratulating LAX, and yeah, cool scene to go off, and I, I thought this was a really good pay-per-view. I don't know, this was definitely better than uh, Homecoming and Bound for Glory, I don't know if this was ahead of Slammiversary, but I think it was close by the end of it. I thought, I thought like midway through the show, I felt like this is not going to have the same reception Slammiversary got, which was one of the company's best pay-per-views. But by the end, I, I thought like this was a pretty strong pay-per-view. I go thumbs up on it. Me too. And I think just the fact that we're having a conversation, was this TNA pay-per-view as good as this other TNA pay-per-view is a good uh, – is the impact uh, old habits die hard? Was this impact pay per view better than this other impact pay per view? That's a good sign for the company. So they should because... just do their pay per views in Toronto. That's what we're learning um, yeah. <laughs> based on the success of Slammiversary and now uh, Rebellion. I, I really enjoyed this. Like, there wasn't a bad match on the show. There were matches I enjoyed more so than others. But I think once we got to that six man with uh, the Rascals and Moose in the North, everything after that was was good to really good to great in in the uh in the uh, main event so I, I think i would give this i might give this i think i gave slam versus an eight out of ten well this is a pay-per-view what would you give it out of a 20 and then we can compare oh, it to the forum oh, okay i would give this let me let me see i'd give this probably a 15 point five out of 20 a 15.5 well the forum gave this an 11.4. Oh, where, where is the justice? Yeah, so um, uh, a more conservative. I, I reject I reject the forum's vote. Well, let's go through. So we, we just have a few pieces of feedback here. We'll uh, run through them quickly here. Carl writes, what a great show from the knockout match between Tessa and Gale from the main event and the tag title match. Uh, this was a great show. Can't wait for Slammiversary. What is up with Impact Plus? What is up with the Impact Plus Network? It's the first time I'm hearing about it. It's the first time everyone's hearing about it because it is the the rebranded Global Wrestling Network. Uh, Brandon from Oshawa writes, I did not get a chance to watch the show tonight, which is always a great start to feedback. Uh, but as of late, I've been getting more into the Impact product. I really like the roster they've put together. It's going to take more time, but they are wiping away the bad taste I've had for their product over the last few years. The product is seen by so few people now, though, and I'm curious about your opinions on why someone would choose to sign with Impact over staying out on the indies or going to AEW. You'd have to think AEW would have had their eyes on some of the talent that Impact has signed recently. Jordan Grace is someone that comes to mind. Besides money, there doesn't seem to be much of an up side of choosing to sign with impact i i will disagree in the sense that I, I think those that are there on the roster like it seems like it's a really good vibe for those that yeah. that do work there there is a lot of opportunity as look no further than an lax that you can get over working with impact i think the the storytelling is a big positive now for impact because they, they do have some long-term stories and and plotting things out um, you know, the, it's hard to see where the, like, is impact going to be able to be competitive with WWE and AEW and even ROH when it comes to money? I, I would imagine probably not, but I think that you have a lot of people that realize that in WWE, you could end up in developmental and be lost in the shuffle and impact. You're going to be on television every week. You're going to get somewhat 
frequent dates, and you also have freedom that you can go out and, and work other independents as well. So I, I think that there is hardly the doom and gloom that's associated with impact. If, if you're a performer, uh, it seems like there's a lot of freedom, and that's that's a uh, an element of impact that they really promote. I would agree. And, you know, like you mentioned, the, the schedule is, is something that would be attractive if I'm somebody looking at where I can go. It's not going to be that grind uh, that the WWE schedule is. Uh, you, you have the freedom to work with other companies. And even though, like we talked about off the top, John, not a lot of people are watching Impact these days, still having that opportunity to be on television. Which we've having seen. Having that opportunity to be on pay-per-view, that's a big deal. Well, I mean, look at the fact of how many Impact talent have gone over to NXT. And, you know, like that's a big element that you have had experience being on live television and mm-hmm. having that under your belt that that's you're able to transition i think a, with a lot more ease uh if you have that that kind of experience and you know once once nxt opened the door to impact talent the floodgates opened and i think that they look at the fact that okay these guys that have come from impact we know that they've had experience on a live pay-per-view setting uh doing television and they they do have that behind them like we don't have to to worry about guys that have never had that kind of experience beyond just simply being on independent shows uh let's continue here oh i believe we have brandon from new jersey here are you ready nate for a a brandon from new jersey piece of feedback i I have been waiting for this moment so i'm i'm ready what what does brother brandon have for us my dearest judas macias it's been a minute since we spoke. Matter of fact, this is the first we ever spoke, Nate Milton. I'm a fan. Anywho, this is my first Impact TNA show since lockdown. With Danny, if there are men with less than a turtleneck, shave your foundations, Bonaducci. And it was a hoot. <laughs> the women tore the house down. LAX and Lucha Brothers nearly killed each other. It was fun, happy Greek Easter. Meanderings. Doug Ford said he was open to reviewing fundraising loopholes. Your thoughts? Doug Ford is the premier of Ontario, everybody, uh, not in the province of Ontario. Why does Tessa... Uh, oh, what are we going here? Um, Nate, any chance my 76ers can slow down Kawhi Leonard? Mm. I mean, there's always a chance the Sixers are a good team. Uh, but I, I am going to pick the Raptors in the series. I think... They have a good shot at making it to the NBA Finals. And, you know, it, it'll be a good thing for uh, my, my brothers to the north, John and Way. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it'll be long-lived because I, I believe after this season, Kawhi is headed to L.A. Oh. either to join the Lakers with LeBron or the Clippers. You're going you're gonna to make some Torontonians very, very upset with that. Do you feel that, okay, if the Raptors get by Philadelphia – uh, how do they fare against the winner of Milwaukee and Boston? The, the, do the Raptors have a chance to make the finals? Do you believe they do? Okay, like in any of the, any of those teams have a chance because they all have decent rosters. Uh, whether you're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo with with uh, uh, Milwaukee, or whether you're talking about you know the, the Kyrie and those guys with the Celtics, or Embiid and the Sixers. Uh, Embiid's problem is he can't stay healthy, but I, I think Toronto has a shot. Uh, they're, they're a good team. This is not the same Raptors that, uh, you know, pardon, uh, pardon the hate, John, that, that choked to LeBron all those years in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they can get to the finals where they'll probably lose to the Warriors. But hey, that's, that's a good thing. And then Kawhi can go to LA and, and you guys can enjoy the legend in the making that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
The last one here is Jalen from Pickering. I was there live. Every match on this card under-delivered for me, except for the six-man tag. The crowd was noticeably smaller than Slammiversary and only seemed to be there to see crazy spots with no interest in the storylines. Unfortunately, these crowds feel more common and almost robotic. They won't be that engaged, but once you go off a ramp, use a weapon, or kick out of a finisher, then they're cheering and calling it awesome. I don't know what it says about wrestling that they essentially did that on every match tonight and the crowd bit every time. Finally, props to everyone involved in the world title match. It was garbage, and the spot was stupid, but everyone did a group of safely uh, getting through the match and uh, with a clearly out-of-it Brian Cage. So Jalen indicating uh, kind of what we suspected, that Brian Cage mm. was having a very uh, difficult time getting through this. So hopefully he's okay, um, but we'll try and get an update on him. And he Real, real quick, John, what, what did you make of the crowd? Because I... Disagree with a lot of what uh, Jalen said, but I do think, yes, there obviously were spots where the crowd was dead. And then when they'd hit a crazy spot, they would, you know, come alive again. What did you make of the crowd tonight? I did not think it was as hot as the Slammiversary crowd, which I I thought was like at another level. And that's maybe that's Mm. me remembering it a bit um, more loudly than it than it was. But it didn't seem like the crowd was at that level. Um, But I, I thought largely it was a pretty good crowd for most of the the show like I, I there was never a point on this show where i felt wow the crowd's really out of this like they seem to be genuinely enthused and then at times like really into the matches but um i, I can also see some of jalen's points like there did seem to be um some go-to tropes that you saw throughout the show but in that defense if they get over with the audience then it's hard to really yeah. blame them that if the audience wants to see that then you're delivering that and his final question here uh, is about Michael Elgin, uh, if he can cut good promos. Um, I mean, Elgin hasn't been like a strong promo guy, um, but in mm. this role, he's he's going to need to cut promos as well. Yeah, he's going to have to carry the, the load in terms of on the mic for this, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, Brian Cage is very much that generic kind of. I'm, I'm a wrestler and I'm going to do wrestling things and it's what I do because that's how I've done it. Like, you know, he's great in the ring, but on the mic, mm, he's still, he's still not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting element of that program is, um, the, the, the promo work that's going to be necessary, especially if you're looking at not doing this match until like July, for instance. I mean, that's like you would think like that might be where they're building this to. Maybe he can get Tully Blanchard to cut his promos for him. <laughs> Wouldn't be the worst idea. Keep Tully around as Elgin's uh, mouthpiece. All right. Um, so that is all the feedback. So thanks to everybody for uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, Wei Ting and I are going to be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw. We'll have a full review of the show uh, from Lexington, Kentucky on Monday night. Uh, but, Nate, what is going on in your world? Uh, give everyone a reminder again about the, uh, the Kings of Sport and anything else you want to mention. Oh, well, thank you again for having me, Brother Pollock. It is always good to uh, reconvene with you here on uh, these impact shows. You know, we assemble uh, much like another team out there. Uh, and, and I hope you and Way have fun, uh, you know, talking about the fireflies and all that good stuff on Monday night. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, if you want to check out the Kings of Sport, uh, it's myself and Marcus Vandenberg. Uh, we've been doing this for, for a while now. And, uh, you know, we have launched a Patreon that we talked about at the top of the program. Uh, patreon.com backslash kings of sport you can check us out every week we talk about sports politics pop culture pro wrestling uh you know we might get into some avengers this week if i can 
you know, drag Brother Marcus kicking and screaming uh, into that topic because he he really doesn't. You know, he's weird because he loves Disney and everything Disney, but he has never gotten into the uh, the Marvel stuff. Uh, so it'll be interesting to get his take on it. But uh, yeah, you can check out the Kings of Sport, and if you want to hear more from me, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at in the number eight m o z a i k at Nate Mosaic, and of course, as John also mentioned, every month I am here. Uh, on the Post Wrestling Network with the Rocky Maya via Picture Show. And next month, it is Doom. So, uh, you know, in pray more for ways me. than one. <laughs> I, I, I would much rather watch a two hour movie about Ron Simmons and Butch Reed than review this uh, rock sci fi movie. Well, the, the Ron Simmons picture show doesn't have quite the same appeal as no. the Rocky Maya via picture show. So, uh, I, I definitely recommend you guys check out the Be Cool review. I really enjoyed listening to it and I'm sure Doom will be a lot of fun as well. So that is it for us. For Nate, I am John Pollock signing off and we'll speak with you on Monday night.